0: Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So, praise God. Well, I want to get into a new series and it's entitled The Real Jesus. You say, man, why is he saying The Real Jesus? Well, because I think some people I think some people preach a fake Jesus. I do at times. When they put words in Jesus' mouth, when they give him doctrine that wasn't his, when they talk about him and say, well, Jesus did this and Jesus did that, I'm like, are you preaching about the Jesus of the Bible? Because I don't think so. In recent years, I've heard people attribute attribute even, even gay marriage. They said, man, Jesus was okay with that. Hey, Jesus mentioned one thing, and he said, from the beginning, God created them male and female. He dealt with that, and he said a man should leave his family and hold on to his wife. He dealt with that, so that was dealt with. There's other things they've attributed to Jesus. Well, Jesus wouldn't have done this. Jesus would. We're going to talk about the real Jesus, not my opinion, but what Scripture talks about. There's been others that have, they've attributed communism to Jesus and said Jesus was a communist. I've heard over the years strange things. I said, no, no, Jesus was all about the kingdom. Jesus was God in the flesh. The real Jesus. Somebody say the real Jesus. Jesus. Now today, my first point about the real Jesus, and we're going to see if we can even get through this point because this is going to be a fun point, and that is he was very controversial. I've mentioned this before. I've mentioned this in recent weeks and months. His birth was shrouded in controversy. You and I believe in the virgin birth. We believe Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. The Holy Spirit came upon her and she conceived. But... People in his his neighborhood, can you imagine? They were like, "Uh uh-huh, the virgin birth. Okay. Well, that had never happened before. Later on, the Pharisees, John chapter 8, they said, we don't know who your father is. We weren't conceived in sin. So they were sticking it to him. People knew he had a questionable background. Well, that's just the way God does things. Sometimes he's controversial. Jesus came to mess with the current, the current of those times, the religious system. Now, you say, oh, he came and broke God's laws. No, he didn't. He said, I'm here to confirm and to establish the law. But he came to break man's laws. See, what we don't realize is some of the stuff the Pharisees were mad at him about, just about all the stuff, it was stuff they had established in their religion, their way of getting to God. See, the old, for example, and we're going to get into this here in a moment. In the Old Testament, Old Testament law, women had a lot of rights. By the time Jesus came to earth, Judaism had oppressed women. So basically, ladies, after church, sometimes you say, man, pastor, I just would you pray for me? You lean over and talk to me out in public out here. Did you know you would not have been allowed to do that in Israel in those days? Unless the man knew the woman or vice versa, the woman knew the man, they couldn't speak or converse in public. Unless they were family or related, I say knew, unless they were family or related somehow. It was frowned upon. Women, at this point in time in history, this wasn't Old Testament law. This was the laws of the Pharisees. They were having women be, they were having them shut up in homes. Say, your duty is the family, and your duty is the family only. You can't do anything. And if you leave the house, you need to go with a male relative. That almost sounds like Islam, doesn't it? Jesus was controversial, though. He was born in controversy, He touched people that shouldn't have been touched. They were supposed to be unclean. One lady had an issue of blood. She touched him, actually, and he didn't get mad at her for touching him. He said, go, daughter. Your faith has made you well. People talk about women's liberation and feminism and this and that. The true liberator of mankind, men, women, children, other races, was always, always, always Jesus. I'm going to get into that one of these Wednesdays. Talk about the people that Jesus touched in his ministry controversial let's go to Luke 7:36. I'm going to just read through this I, I can't help it I'm just going to read through it this was very very controversial one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat when a certain immoral woman from that city were taught that it was probably a prostitute an immoral woman from that cer- city heard he was eating there she brought a beautiful what alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume Some have said it was worth up to $60,000 in modern money, a full middle-class year's wages, even $30,000. Can you imagine what she's about to do? Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. So Jesus, say, why why did she kneel behind him at his feet? Because the way he sat, his feet were to the side and behind him, right? So I assume Jesus wasn't sitting Indian-style. His feet were behind him, based on the Scripture. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping, convicted. So a prostitute wanders in off the street and busts up a men's meeting, and it's a religious men's meeting. Wow. You'd think that Jesus would have made every attempt to say, hey, look, there's a prostitute kissing my feet in public. There's nothing going on between us. You ever thought of it that way? I ran across that, and I thought, wow, I've never thought of that. Mwah, mwah. hey there's nothing behind the scenes there's nothing going on with it no he didn't even fixate on that jesus used controversy for his purposes he wasn't breaking the law he wasn't most importantly he wasn't breaking god's law he was breaking man's law their laws and their ways of dealing with each other and their ways of tr- treating women look her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her what her hair then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them up to sixty thousand dollars worth of perfume in an alabaster jar. When the Pharisee who had had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon called him by name. He said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. He addressed him. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. Good answer. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, "Now I I need you to stop here and look at this. He's causing a moment in history. It's a historical moment here. Jesus is making the religious leader Simon, a Pharisee, He's making him acknowledge this woman. They were not supposed to acknowledge women, number one. Number two, they weren't supposed to acknowledge somebody who's immoral. So this is an immoral woman, and he says, look at this woman kneeling here. He made him look at her. So see, some of you say, oh, this is just a women's liberation thing Pastor Matt's talking about. No, Jesus came to liberate mankind, all of us from a Satan-dominated society. But in this Satan-dominated society, there was a male-dominated society oppressing women as well. And this woman just wanted to get to Jesus. Can you imagine? No kind of wisdom, no kind of sense. Walk into a dinner party uninvited, kneel at somebody's feet, start weeping and cause a scene and pouring thousands of dollars of perfume on his feet and kissing his feet say, man, she was crazy, but yes, yeah, she had guts. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. Acknowledge she's a person, and she's somebody I'm coming to die for. Look at her. You're not supposed to acknowledge her, but look at her anyway. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. This story blew me away. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. Oh, it's just all kinds of controversy. He's forgiven sins now in public. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And jesus said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace jesus was the great liberator of mankind but in mankind he was dealing with cultural issues of the day among his own people see scripture says he was sent to the lost house of israel there's only three times that we know in recorded history according to our bibles that he dealt that he blessed or dealt with gentiles now he spoke well of them he said one day they're going to come from the north south east and west and they're going to be in the kingdom of God with the patriarchs. But he didn't deal with Gentiles much. One time it was a Syrophoenician woman, remember? And he healed her daughter. One time it was the Roman centurion, he healed the slave. And another time he dealt with a half-breed woman who was Samaritan. They were half-breed Jews or mixed-breed Jews, and he dealt with her, another woman. Interesting. Jesus did many miracles. Some count differently. Some say 30, some say 31. Of those miracles, nine of them were directly involving women. Nine. Interesting. But he didn't, He came to the lost house of Israel and he's dealing with their crud and their problems. And it's interesting because he doesn't, he doesn't talk a lot about it, but he deals with it head on. He doesn't say, hey, y'all aren't treating women right. Y'all aren't treating each other right. Y'all aren't treating the sinner right, because he dealt with that too. He dealt with that too. This is the second woman that I can think of that he re- rescued from the clutches of religious religious society remember the other one where they bring a woman and drop him at her at his feet some scholars and theologians believe they did that just to upset jesus because they saw that he was treating women as equals he had female followers say disciples oh man they weren't one of the 12 Yeah, a disciple's a follower of jesus they were following him though women supported his ministry so some say now they did that they may have even, who knows if they even framed that lady i don't know but they bring a lady and throw, him, throw her to his feet and say, she was caught in adultery, what should you do here? They said, he's got to uphold the law. He's got to stone her if he's God. He's got to stone her himself. But they were, they were coming full force, at Jesus. It was a frontal assault on the way he had been treating woman, women, and I do believe that. But Jesus came to liberate and save all of us in a balanced fashion, children. Moms, wives, daughters, prostitutes, pimps, drug dealers, men, women, children, all races. And he dealt with races. He, he didn't even come to deal with other races besides the Jewish people and other cultures. But he did. He dealt, did some of that. That was amazing, too. I'm reminded of a story. And this is, this, was a, this is a story of a male-dominated society. And it's fine. This is a true story. This came out in Reader's Digest in 1988. There was an author, I don't remember her name. She was in the South Pacific. And she needed to bargain to buy something, and I don't even remember what it was for. She needed to bargain. I don't know if it was to buy a boat or something. And she goes, how do I get in contact with someone? She's a traveler and a writer. I don't know what else she did. And without hesitation, one of her hosts said, you need to speak to Johnny Lingo. That's a real name. Johnny Lingo. He was a South Pacific Islander. She goes, Johnny Lingo? And they said, yeah, he's the coolest, man. He's the quickest. He's the strongest. He's one of the smartest. And he's the best bargainer, bargainer in these islands. I just said bargainer. He's the best bargainer in these islands. But at the same time, the guy goes, starts shaking his head. And the guy's son goes, Johnny Lingo. Ooh, they just start making fun of him. They hooted and hollered, ooh, Johnny Lingo. And the dad tells his boy, hey, shut up, shut up. And she's all, what's the deal? And they're like, I don't know. He's the best at just about everything. But she, he's like, you don't know our culture, but to get our wives, we give cows. True story. And he said, I mean, a, a beautiful woman, they'll give two or three cows for it. Once in a while, you hear of a four-cow wife. True story. I wish I could have made this up. It's so good. This, this is on the island of Kiniwata. We're talking about Johnny Lingo. So the lady goes to her host and says, well, what do you mean? She goes, he goes, man, the reason people are laughing, he's known far and wide for how quick and how strong he is and how cool he is and the best bargainer that he is. But man, now he's the laughing stock of these islands down here. Why? He gave eight cows for his wife. And the the author, the writer, goes, eight cows? She must be stunning. And the guy goes, no, that's just the thing. She's real skinny and kind of homely. She hunches. She doesn't make eye contact. But Johnny Lingo loved her. He loved her, and he gave eight cows for her. Her dad was excited because he got the eight cows. Her dad, in fact, the story goes that he went to the, I don't know what they do. They go meet, and they know that somebody's going to offer some cows for their daughter. And he was like, man, I'm just hoping for one cow, you know, type thing. They said she was homely and kind of hunched over and didn't make eye contact and shy and just not very pretty. Well, the, the host says, look, we need to take you to Johnny Lingo because you need to bargain, and he's the best there is around here. And you need to get a good deal, and he can get you a good deal on what you need. I don't remember what it was. But she's like, oh, now my interest is peaked." So she goes to his house somehow, and she visits Johnny Lingo, and she's talking to him, and she said it was, like, it was like I came to my home away from home. He was so kind to me. He invited me in the house. I came in, sat down. She said while we're talking, I look up, and she said there was a stunning woman that lit the room with her presence when she walked in. She said she was stunning. Her chin was up. Her back was straight. Her shoulders were perfectly poised. Man, I could learn from her, right? I need better posture. But she walked in graciously, she said she was angelic in her beauty. She grabbed flowers, she offered me tea, I don't remember the whole story, and then swept out of the room like an angel. And her, like, the lady's jaw dropped and goes, oh my gosh, she goes, okay, so he has an ugly wife that he gave eight cows for, and he has a gorgeous servant. She goes, oh, how is this, how does this work? I mean, I'm sure the wife's jealous, I'm sure there's problems. How is he not tempted by this stunning, confident, glowing woman? So she starts to talk to him, and he, she goes, who was that? And he goes, that's Sarita. Yeah, I know. It sounded like it was a Mexican family down there. Sarita, I don't know. That's Sarita. And he, she goes, oh, Sarita, okay. And she goes, uh, wow, she's, she's amazing. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a woman who looked like that. And he goes, yeah, and he didn't say much. He goes, yeah, and he looked at her, and there was a glance that had passed between them, and she's like, oh, this is trouble. This is the, the, the maid, and there's a problem here. And, and he goes, uh, yeah, that's, that's my wife. And the lady almost breathed a sigh of relief, but at the same time she goes, I'm sorry, that's your wife? I, I can't believe that's your wife. And he goes, oh, yeah, I've always loved her. That's my wife. Isn't she amazing? And that lady goes, I've never seen a woman who looked quite like that or carried herself that way. She's stunning. Um, I had thought, I heard that you, he goes, oh, you heard she was homely. You heard she didn't look nice. You heard things. And she goes, yeah, people are laughing. He goes, really? He goes, really? He said, you know, we don't get to see each other all the time because we're separate. We're these certain islands. We got to travel between these islands sometimes. And we, some- sometimes it's months or years before we see each other. and They're talking about me. And he thought that was funny, too. And she said, wow. So that's the wife you bought? And he said, yeah. That's the wife I gave a dowry of eight cows for. And she goes, why did you give so many cows? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that even four cows is amazing. He said, because I wanted an eight-cow wife. <laughs> Jesus, your blood is too precious. Why would you waste it on a prostitute or somebody who would slept around or somebody who's been on and off drugs or in and out of jail? Jesus, why? And Jesus says, I wanted someone that I could pay my blood for. I wanted them to be worth it. An eight-cow wife, it sounds ridiculous. Based upon that story. Baby, I'd give 40 cows for you, though, just so you know. (laughs) Dad Brown would have a herd. (laughs) But we're talking this morning about the controversy in Jesus dealing with people, not just this woman in the story, the prostitute who kissed his feet or immoral woman who kissed his feet and used all the perfume on him, but the, the beggars and the unclean people that Jesus touched and healed, and the ones he said, you're worth it, you're worth my blood. And the same story of Johnny Lingo, he, he said... Baby, Sarita, you're worth eight cows to me. I wanted an eight-cow wife, so I gave eight cows for you. Now hold your head up. And she obviously did. And somehow it made her beautiful. And we as believers, we forget how amazing we are that Jesus gave his blood for us. We forget. Why? Why? He suffered. He bled. He was bleeding out. He died on the cross. He was brutally abused. We talked about that last week. And he said, He said, I want children that are worth the price of heavenly blood. No, he's so controversial. You say, oh, yeah, just with women or just with other races or just with the unclean people or no, or just with his birth. No, he was controversial because he came and died for us and he lived a sin free life. Huh. So controversial. You're Jesus. That's the real Jesus. Oh, he can't do that. Guess what? He already did. You can't give eight cows for a... W- he did. He showed up with eight cows, no bargaining, no nothing, and offered them and said, I want her. She's mine. We're going home. Eight cows and took her to his island. Ladies, that sounds pretty romantic, huh? Your husband shows up looking clean and fit, and I don't know what this guy looked like. He was the fastest and the strongest and the best bargainer and said, I want you. I'm giving cows for you. I'm taking to you to your honeymoon now on an island nearby. Goodbye, I got an eight-cow wife. So controversial, just like Jesus, man. So controversial. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Your faith has saved you. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, and maybe I'm diverging a little bit from the topic, but I don't know who needs to hear this part right here, but you were worth it. Hold your head up. You were worth it. Make eye contact. You are a child of God. That's powerful what Pastor Jen was talking about because that just ties into this, man, the controversy of God, man, shedding his blood for you on the cross and as he's being brutally beaten on the way to the cross and says you are worth it, I want children, children who are worthy and I'll make them worthy by my blood. This guy made his wife worthy not just by his love but by the gift he gave for her, eight cows, double of even the best gift. See, because over there, yeah, people you know how humans are they compete and stuff and they laugh at each other and like. Mm. That's what he said in the article. It's like, her husband only gave one cow for her. <laughs> <laughs> one cow. Yeah, so-and-so got two, but, you know, I got three. Imagine this woman having to stay humble and walking in, and they're like, that's Sarita. She got, wow, like he gave eight cows for her. <laughs> Sounds crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, What? I didn't make this up. I wish I would have been clever enough to have said, man, an eight-cow wife. Jesus said, I will pour out my blood. I will come and live and walk on this earth and start to start to deal with the cultural problems of my people, the chosen people. But I will also make promises about the Gentiles. That's you and me, the non-Jewish. He said, we're going to, there were all kinds of pro- uh, promises in the scriptures in Isaiah and Jeremiah and stuff in the Old Testament. And Jesus, Jesus, he, he even made promises, said they're going to come and they're going to be part of the kingdom of God. There's going to be people that should have been at the table with the patriarchs and they aren't going to be there. And they're, they're children of Israel. But there's going to be Gentiles that come from the north and south and east and west. And they're going to recline at the table with the patriarchs. And all along, Jesus was saying, you're worth it and I'm going to prove it. See, none of us can go. Man, Jesus gave a pint of blood for me. What did he give for you? Why would Christians look down on each other? Why would we even look down on others who are not believers? Jesus died for them too, and we forget we were all, we were, we were all sinners saved by grace. I'm not a sinner now, but I was. That's scriptural, man. You're not a sinner anymore. Once you've accepted Jesus, you are not a sinner anymore. And the controversial God that you serve, oh, he can't do that. He just did it. Oh, he can't get them out of Egypt. They're slaves. He did it. He can't do that. He did it again. He can't help them win that. Uh huh. Odds were 50 to 1 or a million to 1. He did it again. Wait, he can't come and die on a cross for sinners. He cannot pardon a thief while he's on the cross and say, guess what? He did it. It's already been written. He has spoken. He can't do that. He can't be kind to women like that in that culture. He can't heal children that way. He can't allow people to touch him, and he can't touch them when they're unclean. He did it. He did it. Hmm. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's for all of you today. That is for all of you. I want to get to a second point today. Who your God and who your Jesus is he's immovable now that doesn't mean he doesn't have emotion and he's not moved by your sorrow and move we know what really moves God is faith but he hears your cry he sees your tears faith really moves God but he was immovable when he was here on earth because see there he was immovable politically and socially and spiritually they could not move him around look at this one look at John 6 14 when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet. We have what? We've been expecting. We've been waiting for him. Wow. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. I mean, how many of us, can you imagine you showed up somewhere and God spoke to you and they're like, they're about to make you their king. Like, you start getting ready. Get out your cameras. This is going to be an Instagram event. Some of you guys are going, I don't know what they do now on Facebook. (laughs) I'm about to be queen. I'm about to be king. That's not what he came to do. That just proves his intentions again. Your God was so bound and determined to get to that cross for you and me. Nothing stopped him. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, yeah, go to the next verse real quick if you don't mind. The next verse, thank you. When Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be their king, he left. Man, we're about to make you famous. We're about to make you our king and our queen. Can you imagine one of us? Nope, that's not my purpose. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to save the lost sheep of Israel. That's what he would talk about. And then he said, and the Gentiles are going to be blessed too. Because through Israel, according to the promises in Genesis, all the earth would be blessed through the Jews. See, we don't realize that, that was, that's a financial blessing through Abraham, but it's also through Abraham's seed, who was Jesus. Now, through Jesus, we're all blessed, right? All because of the children of Israel, all because of Abraham and his descendants. And Jesus was not going to be distracted. He was immovable. Somebody say immovable. Mm-hmm. Didn't do anything that wasn't part of his divine plan on earth. The book of Daniel talks about the king, Nebuchadnezzar, having a dream about all these kingdoms, and then there was a stone. A rock, a mountain. It was made without hands. Scripture says, and it rolled over all the other kingdoms. through the, It rolled through a statue that symbolized all the kingdoms of the earth and broke it to pieces. Why? Because he's the rock. He's immovable. Scripture says, on this rock, you will either fall on it and be broken, right? Humble yourself on this rock, you fall on it yourself, or it will roll over you and crush you to powder. That's powerful. See, Jesus, though, is immovable. He's not moved by anything but our faith. He's not moved by anything but his plan. Your God is immovable. One scripture says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You say, man, oh, Jesus showed up helping women and the unclean and then beggars and then people of other races. Oh, he was he came and he he was just changing all the rules that God had set up. No, no, he wasn't. He was confirming all of the things of the law. The law talked about being being kind to people and treating people right and helping your neighbor. It wasn't perfect yet because Jesus hadn't come yet. The law was incomplete. But all along, all along, you say, oh, he did, and he he changed all this. He was doing what God had originally intended all along. And in doing that, he was immovable. You need to be immovable in your faith. Your God is immovable. You need to be immovable in your faith in him. Hold on. Somebody say, "Hold hold on. Yeah, don't you give up. Don't you give in. Man, he was so controversial, Jesus was. But he was immovable in it. He, t- he told people he was the Messiah? Can you imagine? You show up and say, oh, by the way, the God you've been waiting for, the one in the Old Testament, that's me. I'm here. No, this isn't what we expected. He's like, I know. That's why I did it this way. You, uh, what? You're a car- you were raised by Joseph, a carpenter. Uh Uh-huh, but they missed it in the scripture, didn't they? They missed all the promises in the scripture that described his birth and his life. They missed all those things that you and I are able to see now because of the Holy Spirit. The real Jesus. Someone say the real Jesus. Yeah, that's your goal to serve the real Jesus. It is. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes today.